I'm, I know very little about you. We have awkwardly <laughs> stared at each other for the last eight minutes. It's everything about the concept is what we don't do anymore. We don't just have conversations with people where there's not an agenda. Right? It's like meeting a stranger in a parking lot or something and then like, hey, you want to have coffee? <laughs> yes. Oh, so how are you doing? How's your day? <laughs> exactly. Well, we are live here with Coffee with Humans with my soon-to-be new friend, Christina. She's still actually a stranger. I only met her about eight minutes ago. That's the essence of Coffee with Humans. Two people just bumping into each other randomly and then saying, hey, let's grab coffee. Before we got on the broadcast, I was thinking if we could have this discussion anywhere, where would that be? And I came up with, we, we could be sitting in Iceland in a hot spring. Lovely. If you could have this discussion anywhere, where would it be for you? Love this question. I'm stumped right now. I'm not really a... Uh beach person in terms of getting in with the aquatic life but i do like to be near it and feel the breeze from it yeah. and so anywhere by a beach what drew you to clicking the button to have coffee with me was searching and i found this one and it grabbed me it pulled me in and it just seemed your podcast and coffee with humans seemed very welcoming that you were really eager and enjoyed just making meaningful connections coffee with humans is like sunday brunch I love Sunday brunch. <laughs> okay, good. Because, well, you're in the right place. Only Perfect. there's no food. Um. <laughs> good morning. We are live here with Coffee with Humans, my new friend, Trevor Newberry. Welcome to Coffee with Humans. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So uh, I'm in Northern Illinois. I don't know where you are. Where are you at? I am in Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, school me on the uh, school me on the ge uh, geography of Alabama. Where whereabouts is that? That's actually it's funny that you asked that question because Alabama is weird. Uh, so I grew up in northeastern Alabama, uh, where there are just the very foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So I kind of grew up a mountain boy, right? <clears throat> northern Alabama, kind of into central northern Alabama. As you get into the center of Alabama, that kind of those hills kind of start to the mountains turn into hills. And as you go even further down, so I'm in that central Alabama now, <clears throat> as you go further down, you get into sort of like flat farmland. Hmm. So we call it like a lot of what we call it the black belt down there. There's a lot of farmland, very flat. And then we have a beautiful like white sand coast at the very bottom of the state. So really like runs the gamut. It's a pretty cool state in that regard. That's awesome. Have you been yeah. to, uh, have you been to Illinois at all? Yes. Only Chicago though. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah so <clears throat> only Chicago. Illinois is uh, not like Alabama. <laughs> no. <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple places on the far, the far <clears throat> south side uh, or far, far south end of Illinois. Uh, there's a, there's a river and it kind of gets, it kind of gets uh, like almost wannabe mountainous, like valley yeah. type stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. And then most, most of Illinois is just this flat cornland. So my mom grew up in Indiana uh, and in a, a little tiny town, uh, called Monticello, Indiana, like you can just about hold your breath driving through it. Um, so we would often go to Chicago from visiting my grandfather in Monticello. So that whole area, that sort of Midwestern cornfields flat, I'm very familiar with that topography as well. Yeah. Uh, so Birmingham, how, uh, give me the scope of Birmingham compared to let's say Chicago. What's, what's the size yeah. like? <clears throat> It's a it's a much much smaller city. Um, I, I don't even know that it really ranks in terms of the the largest cities uh, 
in the country. It is, I wish I could pull the population out of my, out of my thin air, but I can't. Um, it's a, it's a really interesting city though, because it's, it's the largest, I believe it's the largest city in the state. So it's where all of this sort of the urban cultural kind of mashup happens. Um, it's a strange kind of very blue bubble in a, in, you know, a Southeastern state. Right. So it's a very, uh, very banking, uh, healthcare, a lot of technology, which is the industry that I work in, software and technology. Um, it's just a really neat place. Um, I really like it because it's a big enough city to satisfy what you need in terms of like, you know, dining options when that's a thing, uh, bars, uh, lots and lots of people, different cultures coming together in this area, but it's also not <clears throat> massive. It's not overwhelming like a Chicago can be, or like a New York city can be, or, you know, God love them, LA not, you know, not my favorite places on the planet to spend a whole lot of time. Cause they just can, it's just, even if it's not overwhelming, they can just be exhausting just to yeah. move about in. Right. So Birmingham's not like that. The other cool part about Birmingham is that we're two to three hours away from Nashville, Atlanta. There's an international airport here. I mean, my wife and I, when, you know, traveling again, when traveling's, you know, back to normal, we try to get to Europe once, a, once a year if we can. So, you know, we can hop a flight 10 minutes away from our house. You know, wow. it's not expensive to take an Uber and get dropped off and head over to Europe, you know? So it's a, it's a really cool city, but yeah, it, it, the main, the main components of it in terms of business would be healthcare, banking, software technology. Um, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. I guess I'm I'm not, I'm failing to describe it well because Alabama is such a generally rural state, and Birmingham is this like sort of urban weird oasis in the middle of all that. So it's a neat place to be. That's yeah. awesome. So Europe, huh? Yes, yes. My wife and I, uh, you know, we're we've been married now for almost nine years. And in the last few years, we started taking a yearly trip over to Europe, um, specifically Spain, but we've hit different areas in the, in the process. So we've gotten pretty good at catching these like hundred dollar, $200 regional flights. So we can spend a week or so in, in Germany, but we always, we have a city in Spain that we always try to spend a few days in if we're going to be on the continent. So, wow. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. We love it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so some, something to look forward to each year to get over to Europe. If so, let's yeah. let's uh, let's say I was to come to Birmingham, where where would be the where would be like the place to eat? See, that's all. See, you're 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 asking hard questions. Um, <laughs> Birmingham has a has a reputation as a food hub in the southeast. Yeah. Um, it's not a it's not a massive city, so there's it's not necessarily the volume; it's the quality. So we have um, a a very, very, uh, <clears throat> well-respected, uh, highly awarded chef named, uh, in Frank Stitt that lives here. And so he's got three restaurants. So if you want to spend a lot of money, go to Frank Stitt's places. So that's going to be Highland Bar and Grill, um, Bottega, Chefon Fon. Chefon Fon is actually a little bit different. It's, you can get in the, in and out of there affordably. You, you know, if, if <clears throat> you're going to take your wife on a date and do, you know, cocktails and wine and, and, uh, and, a you know, appetizers meal and all this stuff at Highland bar and grill, you're going to spend 250 plus dollars. Like it's a very, okay. very nice restaurant. Right. Um, but then it, you know, it goes all the way back down to, we have, you know, new entrance into the city, like Rodney Scott and his barbecue business. Um, really, really amazing stuff. Uh, Rodney is, is one of the preeminent folks to really start moving <clears throat> barbecue forward, taking sort of the older traditions and start moving that forward in a, in a cohesive way. So, 
that's really, really good. But, you know, one of my favorite places is El Barrio. So that's a sort of a Mexican style restaurant. Um, <clears throat> excellent. There's just really, really good food here. So <laughs> we could do a whole hour on that, honestly. <laughs> that sounds it sounds so exciting when I mean, you, you're like, I'm not I don't feel like I'm explaining Birmingham so well. But honestly, for for a guy who's stuck right outside Chicago, uh, I'm thinking Birmingham, let's do yeah. this. <laughs> I, w- I will I will say this. Uh, there are two cities in my life. I'm not as well traveled as it maybe makes me sound. You know, we, we do the Europe <laughs> thing, but otherwise, uh, there are two cities in my life that I would recommend anyone spend a weekend in. I think Birmingham's an excellent weekend place. The other one is Columbus, Ohio, <clears throat> which was a shocker to me. My parents moved there uh, okay. for a job, and that was the other. Ci- that's the other city that I always tell people: you probably haven't thought of Birmingham, and you probably haven't thought of Columbus. But they're a lot of fun. Both of them are great cities. So definitely a good like fly in on Friday afternoon, do Friday night, Saturday, maybe an early Sunday thing and then fly back. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Huh. All right. I'll keep that on the radar. You should do that. Uh, I would. I would. uh, So if you were to come to Rockford, I don't know that we're known as a food hub. Uh, We are we are known for being between the major cities of. Uh, Milwaukee, Madison, Chicago. And if you wanted to, and as you know, from, you know, knowing the Indiana, Ohio area, if if you're traveling west or east along the northern parts of the U.S., you're going to go through Rockford or around Rockford. Yeah. If you're going to get to Minnesota or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the major interstate I-90 runs through there and I-80 is just not, not too far south, 45 minutes, hour south. Um, Yeah. But how far are you from all those major cities? About an hour, hour and a half. Oh wow, that's a great spot then. If from from a affordability standpoint and a accessibility standpoint, Rockford has it going on. Um, yeah. From a food standpoint, I would say there's one there's one uh, guy who's kind of made his mark in downtown Rockford, um, Paul Sletton. Um, he he started with a, a concept called Brio, uh, okay. which was a kind of a fine dining place. Um, mm-hmm. and then that turned in, it, it changed names, but right next door, he opened up a thing called social, which was a cool concept for Rockford. It was like, it was epically different for Rockford, not so epically different for other, for other cities, but we tend to catch, you know, we're in the Midwest. We catch some of these things last. Different is relative. Yeah. And, and social was this idea of like a, just a big communal table where you'd sit down and you're sitting right next to, you know, a person that you don't know yet. And sure and sort of riffing off of what, you know, what they're doing, but it's a totally different vibe when you're sitting in a, you know, in a place with Mm -hmm. a stranger. Um, Oh, absolutely. Fantastic drinks though. I I tell you, if if you like drinks, uh, social, they've figured it out. They've got a lot of good drinks. Maybe we'll try to get up to the Chicago area soon. (laughs) Abby's always, my wife, Abby is always telling me I have to, uh, I've been to Chicago several times and love it. It's one of my favorite cities in the U S despite the windy and despite the cold, I love it. Um, but she's never been, so she's always telling me we need to get up that way. Oh, really? Oh, definitely. Chicago's, I think Chicago should be on everybody's list. I do too. It's a marvelous city. It really is. I think it's, I I think it might be my favorite metropolitan city in the U S yeah. Yeah. It, and, and I haven't spent nearly as much time there as I'd like to, but, um, yeah, it's just a great place to be. I love it. And I like the, I like the Midwest. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the country, which is a weird thing to say, 
because most of the time people think about the Midwest and it's like, well, there's cornfields in a couple of cities <laughs> speckled in there and, and they're not wrong, but it, it's a, it's a different culture. I grew up in the Southeast, which is a, which has its own distinct culture. And, um, I tend to identify with that Midwestern sort of aesthetic, if you will, uh, yeah. a little bit more than the Southeast, even though I've spent my entire life here. Hmm. So, so yeah. you're in software in the, in the Southeast, which is, yeah. Mm -hmm. How, which is, that? I, so here's here's the interesting thing. I, I I thought to say this earlier and I and I didn't say it. I the reason that I can talk about food is because my background is in food and beverage. Um oh. I came from the world of hospitality. I ran restaurants, I ran bars, I was actually a professional chef for a while, um, <clears throat> bartender, coffee roaster, barista. If you can eat it or drink it, there's a good chance that I've put my hands on it and done something. Um, wow. So I, the first 10 years of my career was spent that way. So when I started my consulting company, um, I had a really big goal to get out into software and technology. I was sort of an amateur enthusiast. It was something that was really, really interesting to me. Um, I knew the, the nuts and bolts of running a business, but I did not know the nuts and bolts of running a software business. So I really just made it a goal to try and learn that and break into that industry. So um, <clears throat> what's interesting about what I do and, and the reason that that's uh, really fun for me now is that I don't, I'm not a coder, so I don't build software. I work with sort of the, the touchy feely human side of software, right? So <clears throat> the way I describe myself is I'm a, uh, I'm a product management consultant. So I help people that are building software understand how to get in touch with their customers, how to understand their customers, how to run tests, how to do like early concept validation before they spend a ton of money building a software product because it's super expensive. Yeah. Uh, so the work that I do is, is jumping in with these first time non-technical founders, these early stage products and saying, you know, pump the brakes, you got a good idea, but we need to make sure that this is, this idea is worth, you know, pouring gasoline on and usually gasoline looks like, you know, $150,000. So it's high stakes. So it's a lot of fun. And, and Birmingham has a, just a fantastic technology ecosystem. So it's, it's known as a tech hub, um, in the Southeast, you know, there's really, there's <clears throat> Austin, Birmingham, uh, New Orleans, and, and there are other cities that are doing really well with it, but those are the ones that like people really talk about. Um, we've just, our city, uh, and you know, so our public and our private partners have just put a lot of money and a lot of effort into building up that ecosystem here. So it's exciting. There's always, you know, I feel like a lot of times I can't keep up with it, even in Birmingham where I turn around and it's like, Whoa, there's a new startup. That's a cool concept. Look at that new app that's being launched. So it's a lot of fun. That's cool. I love that sort of energy. Um, do you see, uh, I've, I've spent some time in software development through the years and it would seem to me. Uh, having spent no time running restaurants, that yeah. that uh, project management and and thinking through how to develop a software app is is part. I mean, if we if we'd had a corollary to the restaurants, it's part how you know how how good is that food gonna gonna uh, mm -hmm. be created? But you can't. But but you also have to expedite it out the front. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's and it's the how 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 can we maintain quality and produce mm -hmm. an end result but also have all these uh, kind of positions and, and priorities that are jockeying yeah. to be able to get it to the table. So <clears throat> this is something that I tell people, uh, having a background in hospitality or food and beverage will do nothing for your resume. And if you're trying to get into software technology, right? No one, no one draws those lines like you just did there. However, 
it is probably one of the most valuable training grounds professionally writ large if you spend the time with it. So I didn't <clears throat> just, you know, serve, wait tables, bartend. I got really into the management side of things, into the logistics side of things, into, you know, product rotation. How do we stock enough raw materials without it going bad to make sure that we're serving enough? You know, all of these logistical, um, really business intensive processes, I spent a lot of time with that. And so when it translates to software and technology, you know, there's, there's like a, there's a direct and an indirect. The indirect is that honestly, I believe that if you can hack it in hospitality, if you can hack it in food and beverage, you can hack it just about anywhere. I mean, we're all selling widgets. You just need to learn the specific nuances of the industry or the type of product that you're moving into, which is a process, but it's doable, right? It's learning. Um, <clears throat> directly speaking, you know, for me, what I found the most valuable is that it teaches you how to interact with people and in a really, really quick way. So it teaches you really good intuitive interactions with people. Um, you know, when you deliver software to a cohort of, you know, several thousand, you know, early stage testers, right? That data is going to start coming in, but it's probably going to come in over the course of a week or two weeks. And you're going to have a tool that analyzes it and you can sit down and look at it and start making decisions. When you're in food and beverage, you give somebody a sandwich and they have it in front of them right then. That that feedback, that interaction is right there. It's right in front of your face. And so you, you nerves of steel. If something's not right, you can't hide behind a computer. You can't hide behind a weak you know, timeline of, of analyzing data and making metric-driven decisions, which are very, very important. But you learn to read a room really quickly. You mm -hmm. learn to understand <clears throat> what I call the... Uh, I was on a podcast a few weeks ago. We talked about the, it's the not about the sandwich. You learn how to dive deeper really, really quickly into like what's really bothering a person. So maybe it is about the sandwich, but maybe it's that they had a really bad day. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it's that it's raining outside and they forgot their umbrella and they're just irritable, you know? So <clears throat> you learn a lot of those soft skills that for the work that I do in product management, it's, it's invaluable for being able to get in front of people or, you know, in COVID times on a Zoom call and ask questions and really be able to dive deeper to be able to pick those questions apart and get to the heart of what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, I agree with you. Um, it seems, you know, like in software development, a lot of people create a piece of software and then they throw it in front of the user and the yeah. user looks at it like, and all of a sudden they're just not, they're not, you know, quote unquote eating it. They're not using it. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and the person who made it is absolutely in love with the concept, the idea. And like, this is the best thing ever. It's the best sandwich I ever made. Mm -hmm. And, yep. and it, and it does kind of teach you in that moment, the, um, and I can see how it's very valuable to be in hospitality first that teaches you that, oh, not everybody likes what you like. Not everything is usable yeah. in the way that you thought that it was going to be usable and whatever worked, yeah. you know, in, in, on your pal, in your palate, uh, when you were testing it against all of your family and friends, you know, you put it in front of that stranger who's coming in. Does that yep. mean you change the product? Does, or does it mean that you don't change the product because you deal with that user and you have yeah. to, you know, go deeper? It it does the nuances. It seems are directly applicable to a lot of industries because it's about process. Yep. I I think you know what what processes do you follow mm -hmm. uh, to to be able to whether to be able to deliver um, whether it's a sandwich or whether it's a piece of software or whether it's you know a television. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have a saying that we I, <clears throat> I have to remind a lot of my clients of often, because uh, the problem we run into is what you just described. Everybody thinks that their baby's the prettiest, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, you know, some babies are just ugly, you know, that just is what it is. You know, they grow into it, but that's just the fact of the matter. But we, we use this phrase a lot of, uh, you know, learn to love the problem, not the solution. Yeah. So really what we try to reframe that process as is, you are passionate about solving a problem. <clears throat> we need to shift your your focus away from like, I'm super passionate about this particular piece of software and onto I'm passionate about solving this problem. And when you make that that sort of frame shift, that sort of mindset shift, it becomes a lot easier to say like, oh yeah, okay, let's go and let's rewrite this. Let's do let's go go and do this an entirely different way because I think this is going to solve the problem better. That is a much, much it's not just touchy feely, it's it's a much more practical and and successful or the likelihood of success is much higher way to approach building a software product yeah. yeah and again it's a lot of fun to do that work you know it's it's i really don't have any interest in setting down and writing lines of code that's not my thing and i don't think it'll ever be my thing but i don't think that these problems will ever go away i don't think that the problems of of uh, customer driven work and empathy will ever leave they'll they'll never leave the process of building new products so yeah I was talking to some folks yesterday, or not yesterday. It was a last last week, I think it was early last <clears> week. Um, and they're they're building a software application, and I I do some mentoring for some accelerators, and yeah. uh, and I said, guys, I don't, I don't I said I don't think you you really know what the problem is that you're trying to solve, um, mm -hmm. because for this for this customer base, they don't care about the feature that you have, and then for this customer base, they're not going to pay for the thing that you built. So, uh, I, <laughs> and I said, it's a tough spot to be in, right? Uh, and, and so I said, I, I said, what's missing for me is this like, fuck yeah moment when people mm -hmm. use your application. I said, and I said, you know, you guys are programmers. Think of like, what if you go to Google and you type in a, you know, some, something you're trying to resolve code wise, I said, you usually stumble across a site that just gives you the answer right away. What is that site? And they're like stack overflow. And I was like, yes, you know what makes stack overflow effective? They've got a ton of they've got a ton of information. It built there for years, which is great. But even when they started out, it was an easy way to take a deep dive into solving one uh, one yep. code problem that you have. And you walk out with a solution. And every yep. time you go to that site, you're like, fuck, yeah. And yep. and I said, and when your user goes to your application, I don't think they have that moment right now. And I said, and yeah. I can, and I said, and you don't even have that moment. So yeah. until you get to that moment, you're just kind of wandering, putting together all of these features, just because you can, just because you're interested okay. in it and are neat. Yeah. But nobody's going to fall in love with that, uh, the the you know the big problem the, and the big solution that you have because they're just not walking away with that feeling. Yeah, I, and I think <clears throat> what you just described is also something I, I've been thinking a lot about the the whole industry of software development, I think is at, I mean, it may take 10 years for this to play out. It may take five years. It may take six months, but I think it's at a turning point because you have a lot of technical prowess in the market and you have a lot of money in the market, but you don't have, you know, I, I just noticed this earlier when we were talking about the work that I do, I, I use the phrase product management and you said project management. And that is indicative of, <clears throat> I think there's a gap in the market of people that 
that do this kind of work, you know, so what I, what I, what we try to do is be this sort of like orchestra conductor of sales and marketing and development. So I do some project management, right. But someone needs to be there to say like, I'm getting in front of the customer. And then I'm also helping coordinate that with the sales team. And that I'm also helping coordinate that with the marketing team and with the development team. I feel like there's, there's a big gap there. And I feel like the most successful products, whether they're success, success being relative, they, they have someone or some people on board that that operate in that capacity because you lose that human like you just were describing they just lost it or never even had a human side of that maybe what they built was technically impressive but it you didn't have that fuck yeah moment right like you were like it's not there you know and if it's not there no one's gonna pay money for it so you know and and back to sort of the the coding thing there's so many low and no code tools on the market now that I think there's going to be some downward pressure on the development environment too. I mean, some of these are getting pretty good. They're not going to replace actual custom development, not at least in the, in the short term, but you know, a lot of these folks that I work with, these development shops are <clears throat> making a lot of money building MVPs for people. Well, that's going to go away, you know, with, with bubble and recode and, and all these tools out there, you can build a functioning MVP, get it out the door uh, and start testing, get paid for it too, not just a prototype. You can do all that work now without ever talking to a software development shop, you know, and that's, that's going to put downward pressure on that entire section of the market. Yeah, I think so too. And also it seems that in, in, in software development and also in marketing of, of, uh, software, um, products, it's, it's a lot of volume coming out now. I mean, the volume yeah. is increasing. I don't want to say exponentially because I don't think it's increasing exponentially as technically. It's wild. But yeah. But the 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 volume of products that are being released seems to be increasing and hmm. and it's more of kind of survival of the fittest. Yep. Uh in instead of where it used to be distribution was such a big issue that you mm -hmm. you know uh it was kind of like well it's, there's Microsoft and then there's Apple and nobody ever heard of Apple and Microsoft just became mm -hmm. this big behemoth. Well, now, now it's, now it's like, well, everybody's producing something all across the world yeah. and, mm -hmm. and distribution is just readily accessible. And therefore I think the ability to test drive things and then come up with and, and iterate that all of that, that whole cycle, I think is moving so quickly that, yeah. that the investment, like you're talking about, the investment has to be rethought in a lot of different ways. Um, yep. you know, so I think that idea I, of I, test early, you know, release early, release often, and and just test it and see what sticks that seems to be the cycle yeah. and that survival of the fittest <clears throat> pardon me um element of it i think is a really great i think it's a really apt way to describe it and that's a lot of the work that i'm doing right now uh what i find so exciting about the market is helping people be the fittest right and that that's hard it's honestly i'm not gonna lie like selling that to clients is really really hard because most people especially if they're non-technical or first time they they just want to go they just want to build a thing they just want it out the door right they just want to build an app and get it out the door and then when they do that and no one buys it or no one uses it it's so disappointing to them it's crushing to them and they probably spent way too much money on it so you know a lot of this work is really trying hard to to get in front of those folks and say <clears throat> pump the brakes, man. Like there's a lot of stuff that we can do before you spend a dime on developing anything to make sure that you're as fit as possible before you get to that stage. Yeah. Cause it is, it's like, it's a just, there's so much stuff getting thrown against the wall right now. It's wild. Yeah. It seems so I, um, 
there are kind of extremes that exist, at least with the folks that I've worked with. Uh, the extremes of like mid-market companies that are really into mm-hmm. customer, uh, you know, voice of the customer type stuff. So they yeah. build something, they they do a, a real quick beta, clickable prototype, and then test, 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 test against a hand, you know, customers or potential customers, yeah. get all that feedback incorporated into the clickable prototype, and then release it later. Uh, and then there's these there's kind of the smaller, like you're talking about, it seems the, like the startups of the world and the, the first timers who, um, it, they, it's the simultaneously, like, I'm in love with my concept. I think it's great. And therefore everybody else is going to love it too. Yep. And, and also I kind of this idea of what's the end result here. Am I going to, am I going to, or, or, or what's my path? Am I going to get investment to, mm-hmm. to grow this really big or am I going to, build this and then exit somehow. It seems like they're, they're different growth mindsets from yep. the inexperienced to the experienced. A hundred percent. And, you know, in, in some ways, I think that's even when people are asked, like the folks that I work with, when they're asking those questions, I think it's a little cart before the horse, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, it, it's good to know what your trajectory is and, and the direction you want to go, but, you know, we got to build something that it, someone cares about to begin with. You know, yeah. and I, and and I hate to keep circling it back there because I think you're I think you're absolutely right, um, but I, I do think that you know one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about the work that we're doing, <clears throat> I say we're I I have two different companies, but um, is because you know software it's been everywhere for a long time, but that that's only becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, people entire industries work on software now, you know, if, if the, you know, the trading floor in New York has a glitch, right? Like we have systemic (laughs) problems, right? We have like massive social financial systemic problems. That being said, I think it's the natural place for a lot of entrepreneurship to be taking place. And I feel like there's people that don't know how to code, um, that don't know how to build, that are not technical or that have never done it before that are really, really poorly served uh, by the ecosystem as it is. Hmm. Um, you either need to join an accelerator and, and I love accelerators and I'm like you, I volunteered accelerators and do mentoring. Um, but usually those are somewhat selective. Uh, a lot of times there's money involved, which also means there's equity involved. And I'm a big believer in retaining ownership as much as possible, especially early on, because that ownership, assuming a successful product is a lot more valuable in the early stages, right? <clears throat> so. I just think that the ecosystem doesn't serve those folks very well. And so I'm really passionate about saying, okay, <clears throat> I don't care if your background is in sociology or uh, politics or food and beverage or whatever. If you're passionate about a problem and you have the means or you're willing to put the means into building this product, you want to take that leap. You know, I believe that we should be building more services and products themselves that that help those people because that you know, small businesses, we say, you hear it all the time, small businesses are the engine of the economy. Well, I mean, this is a huge area where small businesses can and should be taking off, right? So we need to be serving those people well um, and much better than we currently are because it's it's not going great as a stand. So, <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> it's, I can't, I cannot tell you how many like just really tragic stories of like, I spent $200,000 on this and no one wants it. And it's like, Oh my God, that just breaks my heart every single time. Cause for most people, if I put $200,000 into a product and it didn't work, I'd be going to McDonald's and getting a job. Like I'd be out of money, like personally and professionally, you know, this is just, yeah. 
anyway, those things are going to happen, but I, I, I like to think that we can do more work to reduce the instances. Yeah, it would seem so. Well, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I really like the concept or the, I'm not sure if it's really concept that might be overreaching, but I like the, the, uh, path that you, you've been on from the restaurant industry and then transporting a, some of that knowledge into software development. I'm, I'm a big yeah. believer in looking across industries to find processes that work and, and methodologies that work because they are so transportable from one to the next. Absolutely. Uh, and too often we become myopic in our viewpoint. And that I think constrains us, especially as industries change because each industry changes at a different rate. And, yeah. um, and I, and I, and I think that if there's a lesson about disruption, most disruption comes from somebody outside the industry into the industry and breaks the status quo uh, because mm-hmm. everybody in the industry didn't, most people in the industry didn't see it coming or when they did see it coming, were too afraid to do anything about it. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I, I just, lo- I love, I love that storyline. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, well, and it's, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. It hasn't always been easy. Like I mm-hmm. said, at the, at the top, having a background in hospitality does not, engender you to the technology uh, ecosystem at all people are like well it's okay you can cook me a burger so what are you going to do with my software product right. that that was really really hard to dispel that was really hard to get over that or get past that yeah so hmm. well hmm. uh yeah that's that's cool well before we go any further um do you want to play a game sure <laughs> okay great <laughs> <I've> never, <laughs> i was hoping you would you wouldn't say no i don't like games because that do, would be awkward. Like I'm not always very good at them, but I do like games. All right. So we're going to play a game. I'm going to I'm going to pop it up on the screen here. We're going to play Watch Him Draw It. I think you're going to be great at this. I have a feeling. Ooh, I'm not artistically inclined, but uh, we'll, we'll give it a go. Gives me better chances of winning. Yes. So here's how what this... I mean when I say that it's uh, stick figures are difficult. Oh, good. So. <laughs> you're, you're, this is the game for you. Good. Good. Here's how this is going to roll. Uh, I'm going to put up on the screen. It'll go something like this. It'll be draw a frog sitting in a canoe headed for a waterfall. And then we're going to have one minute to draw that. We're both going to draw it at the same time. And then we'll have to share our we'll have to share our, our images to the screen. And then we can vote between each other. And then our any of our, our viewers online can vote as well in the comments. Uh, okay. So that's how it's going to roll. We're going to do three of these and then we'll crown the winner at the end. Okay. okay. All right. Are you ready for our first one? Better now than never. Let's do it. Okay. Draw an angry banana chasing a happy grape around a bowl of singing cherries. <laughs> Draw an angry banana chasing a happy grape around a bowl of singing cherries. You have one minute now. Got it. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> The challenge is figuring out how the how to know that the cherries are singing. <laughs> right? I mean, I feel yep. like that's a action, drawing action. That's like level two for me. La 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 la. I've got multiple drawing devices here. <laughs> you have 24 seconds. <laughs> Oh, this looks like a sad banana, not an angry. Three, two, one. Oh, no. 
I didn't complete this at all. I feel like this <laughs> is too short for a minute for this one. I don't know. <clears throat> that was pretty hard. That was very difficult. All right. So I don't I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'll put myself on the spot first. Here's my. All right. Uh, yeah. Hold it. Get it a little closer. Nice. Oh, there we go. That's that was my I don't think that banana looks angry. I think he looks sad. <laughs> I, mine, mine is similar, actually. So it makes you feel any better. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, angry banana. Oh, nice. Very. Yes. See, that's great. It's okay. It's, we got through it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that was a difficult one. I feel like that there's was, too many elements. That was a difficult one. But yeah. you know what? This is a this is directly applicable to software development. What do you develop first, and what do you cut for time? Yep. Yep. Exactly. I don't know if I I don't know if I did that right then. I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> I didn't either. I just put it together now. <laughs> yeah. I got hung up in how why do how do I show that their cherries are singing? Yep. All right. Next one. Ready? Draw a hot dog with mustard, ketchup, stinky socks, and a bowling ball. Got it. Hot dog with mustard, ketchup, stinky socks, and a bowling ball. You have one minute now. Doom, 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 doom. Are the socks on the... Oh, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm not even going to tell you. You don't... You don't... I'm not going to... I'm not going to give you my secrets. <laughs> I don't know how with a single color pen, I don't know how you differentiate between ketchup and mustard. <clears throat> oh, you just gave me an idea. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Self-sabotage is always the best. <laughs> Ten seconds. <laughs> And that's time. All right. <laughs> are oh we, I, know we're, I know we're live, but are we recording this? This is recorded as well. Yeah, it's up on I'm YouTube show forever. My, I want to show my wife this, who is an incredibly talented artist. And she <laughs> you totally should. She's going to love it. She, yep. You're going to be her favorite again. I think I again. Whew, we're getting there. It's been it's been nine years. I'm sure it ebbs and flows. All right. It does. Here we here we go. You're you got to go up first this time. I went first last time. All right. Cool. So I feel like I took the easy is, one last time. This is weird. Oh yes. <laughs> so is the ketchup the uh, back the the, the uh, little stuff on the back? Take your pick. I just had to differentiate between the two. So I drew a different shape. <laughs> oh my God. All right. I'll <laughs> I'm gonna get one more piece of paper here. There we go. All right. Here's my uh hot uh, dog that with was mustard, smart. ketchup, stinky socks, and the bowling ball. <laughs> that was you did the ketchup and mustard bottles. That was smart. When you I said like how that. do you differentiate, I was like Oh, M and K. 
Oh man, this reminds me of an exercise we do with clients. I won't ruin the fun now, but yeah, this is, this is actually more fun than I expected it would be. <laughs> See, this is applicable. There's so many things. Yeah. Just drawing connections. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right. All right. Last one, and then we can crown the winner. Uh, let's see here. Draw a dragon playing with a piece of string. A dragon playing with a piece of string. You have one minute. Okay. Dragon playing with a piece of string. Oh, that's not a dragon. I think that's a T-Rex. I mean, the difference is, is marginal. You've got wings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that, oh, I don't know about this. Uh, let's see here. 25 seconds. Dragon playing with a piece of string. How is he playing with a piece of string? I don't quite understand. <clears throat> I think they have hands or arms. <laughs> Do they? They don't have hands. They don't have fingers. This... I don't know. Mythical reptile, Trevor. <laughs> Four, three, two, one. <clears throat> well, this is the most frightening thing I've ever drawn. <laughs> I feel like I could have done better on this. All right. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> I guess I got to go first then. Yeah, you first. Oh, boy. All right, here we go. A dragon playing with a piece of string. Ah, that's good. I think you win that one. Yours actually looks like a dragon. I had to put fire in his mouth because I felt like that was a big indicator of dragonness. Yep. Yep. Without fire, All I right. felt like he was a T Rex, minus the wings. Well, speaking of. Oh, yay. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Nightmare fuel. It's a happy dragon. Well, who, who would with, with, uh, with like like housefly wings? Who wouldn't be happy as a dragon if you're playing with a piece of string? I that's a fair point. <clears throat> I feel okay, but I've got a piece about all of this. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Is this not going to eat into your uh, the rest of your productivity today? No, I, just lost, I just lost three clients. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, I knew he couldn't draw. Did you see the dragon that jerk drew. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, uh, I'm not sure who wins. I will. I wasn't keeping a score, but uh, Robbie who's <laughs> listening on LinkedIn says both art is awesome. Uh, that's very kind of you, Robbie. Yes, that's super kind. Uh, if anybody that's else has very, any very comments cool. about our terrible drawing skills, you're welcome to put them in the chat. Yes, indeed. But be nice. Actually, you know, don't worry about it. <clears throat> My art yeah. is terrible. It's OK. Oh, you can tell me about it. Totally. I've become, yeah. I, I have a little bit of an edge on you because I've become better about drawing quickly. Uh, I was going to say, you do this with multiple uh, guests, don't you? I do. Yeah, you do. And it's I don't okay. really I watched, double up the uh, I watched a couple episodes in, in uh, preparation. Did you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, what I am did. I getting into? <laughs> and I enjoyed them, and I was not surprised to be asked to draw. <laughs> oh. <laughs> did you? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to have to change up the game then. Yeah, come up with some different games that you can throw curveballs at people. That's a lot of fun. I've only been playing that game for a month. Yeah, well, it's good. I like it. I, you know, it reminded me, <clears throat> there's a, a game we play with clients called Crazy Eights. Um, it comes from the Google Design Sprint. 
okay. when we're thinking about a concept, you basically take a piece of paper and we fold it. So it creates eight different sides and you just, you have a, I can't remember the exact amount of time, but you have a limited amount of time to write as many different solutions to the problem as possible. And it's sort of like a brainstorming exercise. And it kind of reminded me of that. And we were talking about like, oh, you drew the ketchup and the mustard bottles. I didn't do that. It's like you actually, all of this creativity sort of shakes out of that process. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And and then do you find in that process that uh, there's a, that you filter them later and you figure out what, what kind of the confluence of what solves the problem and what can actually be made in the, given, given the constraints? Yeah. Yeah, we just try to do, we try to, it's part of the process of convergent and divergent thinking. Um, but yeah, we do, we put it through a filter and sometimes we'll do it a couple of times. We'll filter that down to like, here's a cool solution. Let's actually break that down even further. We'll do that a couple of times over. So yeah, it's a, it's a really cool exercise. Yeah. Okay. So for our listeners uh, who are not familiar with convergent and divergent thinking, can you unpack that a little bit? So <clears throat> think about it this way. Convergent, if you've got a solution right? Or an idea concept conversion, you've got ideas coming in, right? So you're going out and you're doing research and you're bringing things in about that particular problem and that, and that solution. Uh, divergent is where you're taking it and we're actually going out. We're taking, okay, we've got enough research. We feel like we have a handle on the, the concept or the problem or the solution, whatever it is that we're putting in the center of that, you know, fictional diagram. <clears throat> and we're doing like crazy eights. It's where we're just like, we're just spitting out as many different ideas as possible. And you use the two in tandem. You know, what's interesting about that is that a lot of this is work that a healthy, well-rounded mind would do instinctively. But a lot of times we find that like, I have a degree, you're learning more and more about me. I have a degree in political philosophy. I worked in hospitality and I have a degree in political philosophy. So I'm fairly well-rounded. Not everybody is like that. And it's not a personal slight. It's just not everybody gets that sort of range of experiences throughout their professional life, their education. <clears throat> and so it can be really eye-opening to go through that process, those two practices, using them together, we gain a lot of understanding about a problem or a solution or a concept. And then <clears throat> that enables us to turn around and say like, okay, let's just spit out ideas, right? <clears throat> and the, it's a it's a quantity over quality sort of approach, right? Because okay. we can take those and filter them down and get tighter with it as we go along. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. So uh, we're coming up at the end of our time here. Yep. Uh, that I think that that was a great, valuable uh, explanation and some like takeaway. I don't always look for takeaways for people, sure. uh, you know, but it seems that that's good, a good takeaway for our viewers and listeners. Mm -hmm. um, so how, how do people get in contact with you if they are interested in what you do? Sure. So <clears throat> my two companies uh, both have email addresses, which are totally, totally usable. Newberry Consulting, which is sort of a more traditional, uh, you know, one-to-one <clears throat> -one consulting practice. And then we're actually about to launch a new product called AppThink, which will okay. package up some of these product management principles and deliver them at scale, sort of in a cohort model. So that is being worked on right now. We're hoping for February, early, late January, early February to have an MVP out. Um, but Trevor at NewberryConsulting.com or Trevor at AppThink.io, not .com because that was $55,000. So oh, really? we got IO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but either of those work. Uh, and actually, so the the latter part of those email addresses, AppThink or Newberry Consulting on pretty much any of the social media platforms. You can find us on LinkedIn. Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I even have some Twitter accounts for those, but they don't really get used, but you can send me a message there. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Trevor, it's great to know you. Uh, again, yeah. Likewise, this was a lot of fun. 
Uh, and I, I will, uh, if I'm down in Birmingham, I'll be sure to stop at some of those restaurants. I'll have to review the tape and, and yes. get them again. But I am a foodie, and so I'm, I'm down with trying you could to do, a, do good things. You could do a whole weekend in Birmingham. You yeah. could do a solid two days in Birmingham, I think would be perfect for that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah, to our viewers it. and listeners. Uh, this has been Coffee with Humans. Check us out next time. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, thank you. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.